welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening, and today I'm going to be talking about the Yankees winning and moving on to the ALCS. Rutgers fires Sean Gleason, and boy, do they need a win. And the Rangers, well, they look pretty great early. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's start with the Yanks. The Yankees beat the Indians on Tuesday night to move on to the ALCS to face the Houston Astros. And just to be clear here with winning a series for the Yanks, while it's great for them to move on and they should celebrate, it isn't much. And I would say that because the Indians are a team with one-third of the payroll of the Yankees, as has been stated a few times. There was an interesting bit, I don't know if it was the New York Post or the NJ.com guys, but they posted something where the Indians payroll is basically equal to the payroll of Stanton, Donaldson, and Rizzo. So on the Yankees, if you just had Stanton, Donaldson, and Rizzo, and that's it, and no other players on your team, our payroll would still be higher than the entire Cleveland Guardians team, right? I said Indians earlier, they're the Guardians. In any case, it's Nuts that the Yankees have such, such, such (laughs) trouble with teams that have so much less payroll than they do. And it shows a constant mismanagement of assets and inability to assess talent on Cashman's level. Now, it sounds weird to be talking negative if the Yanks just won a big game and are moving on. But these the talk of, you know, all the accolades that he did. The Yankees are getting after beating the Indians. It's a team they absolutely should have won, and they did. So great, they're moving on. But let's let's be real here. Um, they're better than the Indians. They should have won. They barely won, and they kind of received a gift because the Indians didn't pitch Bieber, who we had all kinds of trouble with early in the series. So the fact that we had to pitch, you know, one of their lesser. We got to pitch, you know, Cortez, and they had to pitch one of their lesser pitchers. Certainly helped in the Yankees beating the Guardians. So that is what it is. And by the way, Nestor Cortez is money. It is fun to watch him pitch, and he does a great job every time he's out there. He came through again for the Yanks, and it, it's so great to have Cortez in the postseason. A um, couple other notes from this Game 5 in this series. Uh, Wandy Peralta is seeming more and more like the Yankees' closer. It's also good to see Holmes doing better so far, but personally, I have a lot more confidence that Peralta can come in consistently and do well, which is an interesting thing because last year I did not like him as much. But this year, the more and more I see of him, the better and better he looks and the more and more confidence I have in him compared to other people. Now, that said, Holmes is getting a little better lately. Also, Lewisaga has had a few outings in a row where he hasn't blown up, so The bullpen overall is showing some signs of improvement, and that's a good thing. And we'll have to see if they can continue that, which seems unlikely, against the Houston Astros. The Yanks offensively are problematic, as always, right? Again, it was this couple homers producing all of the Yankee runs yesterday. This homer or nothing approach at the plate is not going to work against Houston. It is not. And I will say this now, and not to be a Debbie Downer or anything. Um, some of the folks that <laughs> I talk to about sports a lot off the podcast can, you know, sometimes tell me I'm negative or Debbie Downer. I like to think I'm realistic, but, you know, maybe I am too down sometimes. But, you know, I've looked at this team year after year after year. And 
while we had some marginal improvements on defense this year, um, and I think that goes a long way, there's not enough improvements on defense, and there's still a sort of cancer at the center of, of the team, and that's the strikeouts, which haven't really gone away, right? We, we took a lot of strikeouts out of the team this year with getting rid of Gallo and Sanchez. Let me tell you, that's, that is one shit ton of strikeouts not on the team. But you watch Donaldson bat, he just, again, strikes out all the time and cannot situationally hit if his life depended on it. He just cannot... You know, shorten his swing, just try to make contact ever. Every single swing he hits, he's trying to hit a 500-foot home run. Whether we're tied in the ninth inning with a runner on second or we're, you know, losing 4 nothing in the third or winning 8-3 to three in the sixth, every swing is the same. And, and it can't be that way. And you're not going to win in the playoffs that way, um, especially when every swing of his sucks for the most part. So he's just one example. There, there's still way too many strikeouts and way too few situational hitting, hitting the ball to the right side, actually not striking out when you don't get it, things that win ball games. The Indians did a lot of that. The Astros will certainly do a lot of that, as the Yankees will find out. But this homer or nothing mentality is not going to beat the Houston Astros. And I do want to say this. Um, had the Yankees had everyone healthy and had their full team going into Houston, I don't think they're a better team than Houston. It's been a long time since I thought the Yankees have been better than Houston. They're just not. It was proved during every game this year. You know, we lost five out of seven games to Houston, and the two that we did win, we were not leading at any part of the game except for the walk-off hit that won at the end. So we were lucky to win any of the seven games against Houston. Excuse me. And I think that will be the case in this series as well. So my expectations are the lowest of the low for the Yankees going into Houston. And that's just the reality of it. It's not Debbie Downer. It's any, you know, if you take a realistic look at this series and and you think the Yankees are really going to beat Houston, I want what's what some of whatever it is you're taking. I want some of that because I don't see that happening. Um, Houston has better pitching. Houston has better hitting. Houston has a better bullpen. Maybe if we were complete in the bullpen and healthy everywhere, maybe our bullpen would be better. But again, you know, our bullpen is sort of a shadow of what it once was. And and it's nothing like even the first half of the year. And Chapman is not even really going to be on the team. We'll have to see. Speaking of the lineup, you know, what happens because now you have Judge not being Judge, and that just hollows out the lineup completely, right? In the regular season at the end, the lineup wasn't great, but at least Judge was just carrying the team. Now Judge is the embodiment of the homer or strikeout mentality of this team. He's hit a few homers in this series against the Guardians, but, you know, the other at-bats that he didn't, he mostly struck out. He had 10 or 11 strikeouts or something in one series, which is just a disaster, Right. Uh, And so without him doing that, we really need contact hitters. Right. We need to have, for example, DJ LeMayhew, Andrew Benintendi in the lineup, which add excellent defense and contact hitting. That is what wins in these series, not the people that will end up replacing them. So maybe we get DJ back if there's any chance he can. I want to see him there. Benintendi seems like a longer shot, but he would be awesome to have. 
we get him back in there, then I'd have a little more confidence that there'd be a chance for an upset. But, you know, with the team that we put out there now, I just don't. Um, while Torres has been playing pretty good defense, I'd have to say, you know, not terrible defense. His track record is terrible at second. He's inevitably going to, you know, make a lazy play, um, you know, be an ass like he was the other day, rocking the cradle in his showing his immaturity at the end of the guardian series, you know, such fun was made of, you know, rocking the cradle and, and then all, and then when the Yankees win, they do the same thing. So it shows Torres being very immature and, and not really, you know, what we're used to from the Yankees. And it's not something that I wanted to say, but in any case, I see Torres as someone who's played decent defense against the guardians, but I don't see it being kept up. Also, by the way, game one, which is, uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday, tonight at, I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock, Talion against Verlander. So I'll leave it at that. Now, good, good luck, Yanks. Talion against Verlander. I'm sure that will go very well. Um, hopefully, you know, stranger things have happened in baseball. People catch fire. Pitchers catch fire. I don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, I'm going to call it in five games, right? The Yanks are going to lose to Houston in five games. I will be thrilled if they somehow find a way to get past this team that I can't stand the Astros. But uh, it just, to me, in my mind right now, it seems like a miracle uh, to make that happen. So hopefully they'll do it. But, uh, you know, I don't see that at all. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and move on and talk about Rutgers for a little bit because, Rutgers has made some changes lately, and I think it's important that we all discuss them. So Rutgers fired its offensive coordinator, Sean Gleason, after the Nebraska debacle disaster a few weeks ago. So Sean Gleason is out, and that is good riddance. It's hard to say anything else other than that. In the beginning of Sean Gleason's tenure, I really liked him. It was amazing in the 2020 season, the stuff that happened and, and the way we were able to move the ball and doing all kinds of interesting stuff. And, you know, really with very little talent, being able to move the ball up and down the field. Since then, I think the offense has been just an unmitigated disaster. Um, and I don't know how much of that is Gleason. I think a very good deal of it is. Um, it could, some of it could have been Shannon wanting certain things or certain quarterbacks. I don't know who decides what quarterback is in the game at what time. I have been on record over and over saying I cannot stand this ridiculous quarterback flip flopping throughout the game, throughout the series. It's just insanity. I, I just cannot imagine a long-term winning team continuing to do what we do. And we've been doing this now for, for a couple years it's not like, well, we experimented for a few games and now we're going to go with this guy. It continues series after series, game after game, year after year. We're going to put Vedril in. Oh, no, here comes Wimsat. Oh, now let's put Simon in. Enough, right? I mean, I don't know how many games for each quarterback one would require to assess things, but I think it's time here to, to you know, make a call. And I'll tell you what, my call at this point considering everything, is Wimsat. And I don't know what kind of talent he is yet. It's hard to see. I know he has great arm strength. I know he can run a little. His accuracy seems, you know, in doubt at this point. We'll have to see what he can do. But here's the point, right? Rutgers is not going to any bowl this year. Uh, Shanna was talking some stuff about winning now and this and that. But with our schedule the rest of the 
the way in 2022, we are not going to any kind of bowl game. We're going to end up with a losing record this year. And I don't care if we import half the team from Alabama. We're not going to be going to a bowl this year. With that in mind, why not develop Wimsat? Why shouldn't we just put Wimsat in the rest of the time? Let him take his lumps. Let's see what we have, right? Because next year, we're not going to have Vedral, who I'm not a big fan of. I'm much less a fan of than everyone else is. We're not going to have Vedral. Simon doesn't really look like the answer. Again, I don't know if he's gotten quite enough, you know, leash here to, to really hang himself yet, but he's made some decent throws and then so many ones where you, you just, you're not sure. But if you assume that Simon is not the man and we know that Vedral, I know that Vedral is not the man and I certainly know he's not going to be here next year. That really leaves Wimsat and, and no one else that's on the current roster that's a scholarship player at this point. So if you're thinking that Wimsat is going to be our quarterback going forward next year, shouldn't we know sooner than then if we really have a quarterback or not? How would we ever know that if we just don't put him in there and let's see? Let's actually let him play some games. And I don't mean a series here, two series in a row, even, God forbid, a whole quarter. Oh, be still my aching heart. He played a whole quarter. Let him fucking play a few games. Let's see the entirety of his ups and downs. Let him make a mistake and then come back and learn from it. And let's see what he follows it up with. Because until you do these things, we're not going to have a clue as to how good or bad Wimsat is. And he cannot get into the flow of the game when he's coming in and out and in and out. It's not fair to him. And I and frankly, whether it's Gleason or Shannon or whoever, I don't think it's fair to the program. And it's certainly not fair to the fans. You know, fans want to see winning, but fans are smart enough now to know what's coming next year. And that is that we have an unknown quarterback situation again. And, you know, if everyone thinks we're going to put Vedral in for the rest of this year and we're going to start winning games, it ain't going to happen, guys. I mean, we might be able to beat Indiana, you know, but let's face it. We are not going to win very many games the rest of this year, and it doesn't matter who we have a quarterback. So it is time right now to put Wimsat in. Let's take our lumps. Let's see what we have. If he isn't any good, fine. You know, at the end of the year, if you want to save face, you know, put someone else in. But let's see what we have. Is it that difficult? I don't know what, you know, Greg Shano is thinking. Maybe he thinks we really have a good team this year and can really push forward and win. I guess we're going to have to see. He does want to win at all costs, even if it costs us next year, it seems. And I think that's kind of a strategic error on Shano's part. And we're going to see if it costs Rutgers. Um Nunzio Campanelli is a new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, and certainly he can't be any worse than Sean Gleason. So I'm rooting for Campanelli to do really well and looking forward to any kind of changes or improvements that, that can come from this. The fans really need to win. You know, maybe Indiana on homecoming this Saturday can be it. I guess we're going to have to see. All right, so I'm going to move on and talk about the New York Rangers. So just a few bits about the Rangers here. Um, watching the Rangers early, they look really, really good. And I have to say that it is really a good feeling. I haven't felt this good early in the season about a New York Ranger team in quite a while. Um, the power play looks absolutely tremendous, just tremendous. 
Um, it has looked great for a year or two now, but it looks as good as ever. They look to be humming. Um, it's not changing much with Trotrek replacing Strom on the power play, which is great to see. Um, Mika Zibanejad is a bona fide superstar. He is a guy that has continued to progress year after year. He's had some weird slow streaks like the beginning of last year, but Mika Zibanejad is a bona fide superstar. And in my opinion, one of the top five centers in all of hockey and maybe higher than that. I, I just enjoy watching him every single night. Kreider so far continuing to do what he did last year. Capo Caco is actually developing more than I thought he would. He's gelling very well with Kreider and Zibanejad, and hopefully he stays on that line. It will be interesting to see what happens once Kraftsoff comes back, which could be as early as Thursday night. With him out, they've put, you know, Caco um, on the first line, and we'll see what happens on the second line once Kraftsoff comes back. Lafreniere has been playing there for now. And it's great. It's it's fun to see the team win. Uh, they beat the hell out of Anaheim the other night, even though they gave up too many goals. They're 3-1 and one early, but they look and feel different. Offensively, it feels like they can compete this year, which it hasn't felt like in a while. They were very good defensively at times. They certainly have a great goaltender. The defense, though, seems solidified. No more Nemeth on the team. We have six good defenders and a great goaltender. It just seems like there's a slightly different feel for the range of this team this year. And I'm certainly not predicting anything. We'll wait till we have more of a uh, more of a record here this year. Let's see how they do after a couple months. But the, the early returns are in. And let me tell you, they look really, really good. It's just a very positive outlook this year. And we're going to have to see if they can keep it up. And when they play some of the stronger teams earlier in the year, we're going to see what kind of response they have. They seem focused. They seem diligent, and they seem like they can produce offensively, which is something that the New York Rangers haven't been doing a lot of in the last, you know, long while. So, yeah, let's go Rangers. This is going to be an interesting year for the Rangers. That's all I have for you today. So I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports, and I want you to please subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends all about it, and I will be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks, and have a good day.